So turn with me, Luke chapter 2, the birth of Jesus Christ. And just before we read and get into our message this morning, let me pray again. Lord, I just ask this morning for each one of us in the busyness of Christmas and all that has been and all that we have before us. Lord, would this be a holy moment now? Would you settle our hearts and our minds? Would you enable us to remember, to look again to the incredible gift that you offer to all the world but personally to each one of us just thank you for your word thank you that your word is alive that it works and accomplishes your purposes in our hearts and lives and through the power of your spirit come and speak to us i pray this morning and we ask that in jesus name Luke records the birth of Christ in this way, from Luke chapter 2. It says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each in his own town. Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them at the inn. Now, if you've been with us the last few weeks, I know a number of you are visitors. We've spent some time looking at the lead-up events to the birth of Christ, and even the birth of Christ and that specific event and what that means. But I want us this morning to focus on the very first thing that happens after Christ was born. So let's read on. And it says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were filled with fear. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Verse 20, And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they'd seen and heard as it had been told to them. This is the word of the Lord. So I want to remind us this morning of the very first event that we see taking place. Immediately, the angel proclaims this day, this very moment, what is the first thing that happens after the birth of this promised Messiah? Right the way from the Garden of Eden all the way through the Old Testament, the Lord promised that he would 
provide a saviour, that he himself would deliver his people. And here it is, it is the moment, the coming of Christ. The very first thing is that God proclaims to the shepherd the good news. See, I wonder if this is like one of those moments for those of us who've had kids. I've had the pleasure of having four beautiful babies. And the very first thing that I want to do as soon as this baby is born is tell someone. You want to show off this precious child. Much to the frustration of my wife, we would head out and she'd want to cover up this child. She'd say, Andrew, it's got to, it's got to be quiet. It's got to be covered. It's got to be dark. Everything's got to be perfect for this little child. And all I wanted to do was hold this beautiful baby in my arms and show it off. It's just my baby. Anyone had one of those moments? A few of us have. This is my baby. This is the good news. So the Lord proclaims to the shepherds the good news. Who is it that he chooses? He could have chosen anyone. He could have said, this is the moment that I've been waiting for. This is the greatest gift. This is the central point of human history. My purpose and plan of redemption. I better make sure that I find the most worthy, the most wealthy, the most influential, the most intellectual people, people of prominence. They'll really know how to to deal with what I'm about to unfold. But instead, he chooses the shepherds. Now, I think at times we miss perhaps the shock value of this choice. You see, in that particular time in history, being a shepherd was not something that you would aspire to be. It was low on the pecking order. In fact, often shepherds were considered outcasts because they couldn't observe the, observe the normal Jewish ceremonial practices. They were considered unclean and they were forced to live their lives away, looking after the sheep in the mountainside, often for months at a time. And I always think it's amusing as you see these beautiful nativity scenes. And there are the shepherds dressed in their flowing white garbs with a pretty little towel wrapped around their head, looking regal, the nice staff. Well, I have a few working clothes that I like to do work around my farm in. And I can tell you they're anything but presentable. In fact, my wife won't even allow them inside the house. There is a little corner in my garage that is the only place that I'm allowed to keep my working clothes. They smell. You're not bringing them in here. I would suggest that these shepherds were not perhaps as well presented as the nativity scenes might suggest. But they were away without showers, ladies, without hair dryers, without access to any mod cons for months at a time. They were in many ways the outcasts of society. But it is the shepherds that the Lord chose to announce the birth of the Messiah. And what is the message that the angels bring? See, it says the angel appears and the glory of God himself, the very glory of the eternal God shone around them. The angel proclaims this, unto you a Savior is born. Unto you. I imagine them thinking, unto me? Unto him? Unto me? I didn't know I was expecting a child. Are you expecting a child? Unto me? A child is born? Unto you a saviour. You see, there was a personal aspect to this invitation that the Lord gives. He says, I've got great news, incredible news of great joy, because for you 
there is a Savior born. He comes simply to offer them a gift, the gift of a Savior. And here is what I love most about this story. You see, we've had angels before. We've looked in previous weeks. No doubt you've read the Christmas story at different times. There's been angels. An angel appeared to Mary to tell her that she was to give birth to the Savior. An angel appeared in a dream to Joseph. An angel appeared to Zechariah to tell, and Elizabeth to tell them that they would give birth to John the Baptist. But in each case, the angels appeared to instruct. The angels appeared to direct they came with a plan, with an agenda. They came for the sake of the person that they were appearing to. Whereas in this instance, it says the host of heaven came. What was the plan? What was the agenda? What was the purpose? They didn't come for them. They came for him, for his sake. No plan, no agenda, no conditions, no strings attached other than a God who shows up to offer a gift for his joy, for their joy, for his glory, free of charge, to show that he is a God whose delight, whose great joy is giving joy to those who least deserve it. You see, think for a moment, just, just ponder the extravagance of what we have read. God sent one angel to Mary to give her her instructions, the part she was to play. God sent an angel in a dream to Joseph. But here it says God sends the host of heaven. The host of heaven was sent. The glory of God himself appeared. The glory of the eternal God. Why? No reason. No reason. Just because. Just because he is God. Just because God did not want them to miss how incredible this was. How extravagant, how outrageous this gift that he was to offer them. Do not miss the gift that God is offering you. One of the most glorious visitations ever recorded in human history. You search the scriptures, you'll find few that match. As the host of heaven come to proclaim the gift of the Christ child. And why did it come? I imagine the discussion. The Lord gathers the host of heaven. They say, wow, we're all going on mass. The glory of God himself is coming. What are we going to do? We're going to go surprise a few shepherds. Really? Did, did I hear that right? Why? He is the God who loves to give extravagant gifts given for our joy, given for his glory. So this is what we've seen. God sovereignly chooses a group of people to offer a gift. No strings attached. No small. It's not requiring anything from them. Not if they can strive. Not if they can sign up for church attendance. Nothing at all other than him rejoicing in their joy. Kind of sounds like the gospel, doesn't it? Seems fitting to me that the first people invited to gaze upon the gift of Christ, the Savior, was those who least expected it, and probably least deserved it. And if the story ended there, that would be more than enough. He comes, he offers them a gift. He says, unto you a Savior is born. If that was the end of the story, no doubt the shepherds would have said, well, that's, that has blown my world. But it continues. Not only does he offer a gift, but he says, I want you to come and see for yourself. Come, come to Bethlehem and see. 
Come and see this child. Come and behold the wonder of my purpose and plan. Come and enter in. Come and savor. Come, come and taste for yourself the promise and the miracle of God. Let this change you. Let this rearrange who you are. And it says, as they come and they lay eyes upon Christ, they return greatly rejoicing, glorifying and praising God. Hello, Rachel. Oh, we've started a trend. That's the problem. You see, this is the gift of Christmas. This is the glory of Christmas. It keeps giving the wonder of Christmas. There is a gift that has been given. There is an invitation to receive, and there is an offer of eternal joy. There is an offer of eternal joy. Very quickly, let's cover those three aspects. Number one, there's a gift of Christmas. You see, I know that for many people, even for some in this room, Christmas is a difficult time. Christmas is not easy. And perhaps even this year there's been things that have happened. There's certainly been many things that have happened around us in the world, circumstances, situations. And you say, well, with all the tragedy, with all the terrorism, with all the problems, how can there possibly be joy? How can I find reason to rejoice in these tidings of great joy? The answer is simply this, for unto you is born. For unto you is born a Savior. A gift has been given to you. A Savior. He's not just a teacher. He's not just an inspirational leader. He's not a motivational encourager. He is the God who reaches out in His incredible love. He seeks you out to save you for your joy and for His glory. His punishment for our forgiveness, His broken body for our wholeness, His wounds for our healing, His blood for our cleansing, His death for our life, His rejection for our acceptance, His righteousness for our filthy rags, His glory for our shame. This is the gift that He is offering to you and to me today. This is the gift of Christmas. What's the fine print? What's required of us? Nothing but that we would receive the gift that he offers. You see, of all his wondrous works, grace is the best. It's the sweetest. It's the most invigorating. And Christmas is about the breaking through of the glory of God into the darkness of our stubborn, selfish pride, manifesting itself in the ordinariness of life. And the truth is that we are, we are a tired people. We are a burdened generation. The rat race gets faster, there's more people to see, there's more gadgets to buy, there's more opinions to express on Facebook. Have we missed something? I would suggest we have. Where's the hope? Where's the joy? Where is the peace? Where's the life? Christmas is a reminder of the extravagant, incomparable, undeserved gift that God offers to us. The meaning in the madness, the purpose in the mundane, the joy in the journey, the light in the darkness. This is his incredible gift of grace. And I think so often we believe it, we sing about it, but do we live it? Do we allow it to shape our lives, to strengthen us, to rescue and refresh us? Because grace grabs a hold of us. It rearranges us, it reignites us refreshes and 
inspires us. This is the gift of Christmas. For unto you a Savior is born, and He is still the same God who proclaims His goodness, His grace to unworthy people like you and like me. That's who He is. This is our extravagant God who gives incredible, extravagant gifts. And not only is Christmas a time to recognize or to remember the gift, but Christmas is a time to remember the need to receive the gift. To receive the gift. You see, every gift is given for a purpose. And in this instance, the Lord offers the shepherds a gift, but he says, come and see. Come and receive this. Come and see for yourself. Come and taste of the gift that I'm offering to you. Come and see what I have done. Savor it. Rejoice in it. Delight in the gift of God. The only way to truly honor the giver is to receive the gift. This is not a good illustration, but we'll try anyway. It's a little bit like this. We have a pastor here, Adam, who's on staff. and We're very good friends. And it would be like one year, Adam decided, he said, you know, I just want to really honor Andrew as my friend. I want to buy him an incredibly extravagant gift that I know just purchasing for him a new Harley-Davidson motorcycle would change his life. It would. And so he has that, he has that thought. And he's working hard to save. He's saved for a year. He's taken out a second mortgage on the house to pay for this. I'm not saying this is prophetic, by the way, Adam, just so you know. Although I'm open, I am open. And finally comes the day where he's to pick up this new motorcycle. He's worked hard for it. He's given of himself to purchase this motorcycle and he can't wait. He says, I just can't wait to see Andrew enjoying this motorcycle, the open road ahead of him, the roar of the engine beneath him, wind in his hair. I think I just had a moment. We'll move on. Move on. He's envisioning this moment, so he comes and presents me with this incredible motorcycle. I say, wow, that's incredible. Thank you so much, Adam. And then he calls me the next day. He's like, so how did it go? How did it go? Did you, did you go for a ride? Did you take it? I said, oh, I, I've, just, I've been so busy. I'm sitting in the garage. I'm sorry. So he calls the next day. And the next, he says, have, have you taken the motorcycle for a ride? Have you gone out? Have you felt the wind in your hair? Have you heard the roar of the engine? I'm like, oh, mate, look, I've admired it in the garage. I have. I'm sorry. I've, I've come and seen it, but I just, I just haven't had a chance. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm not even sure if I'm really worthy of the motorcycle. And then he, he continues to call less infrequently. A month later, he calls up. He's like, so, so how was it? How was it? Did you enjoy my gift? And I said, look, honestly, I'm really sorry. I swapped it for a tricycle. He said, what? I said, yeah, pink ribbons, nice little horn. Needless to say, we would probably not be friends any longer. But the point is this. See, we've been given this incredible gift. What honors the giver more than enjoying the gift that he has given to us? So often we think, well, he's done so much. See, it's all about me now working. It's about me reading the Bible. We've just done a series on getting into Scripture that's important. It's all about me praying. It's about me striving. It's about me trying harder in myself. Let me tell you what I believe honors God more than anything else. 
It's having a moment with the wide open spaces of grace, the wind in your hair, the roar of the lion of Judah, dispelling your, just basking in the glorious gift of grace that he offers to you and I. Receive the gift. Don't admire it. Don't forsake it. Certainly don't swap it for any earthly temporary pleasure. There's no tricycle that matches up. Receive the gifts that he has to give. You see, it's only the person whose hands are full who can't receive a gift. What's in your hands today? Is there busyness? Is there worry? Is there stress? Is there striving? Sometimes we just got to let go so we can receive for ourselves the gift that he offers. So the gift has been given. There's an invitation to receive. And there is an offer of joy. That's what the angel proclaimed. I am bringing you glad tidings of great joy. The shepherds saw, they experienced, and they encountered for themselves this joy, returning, glorifying, praising God. You see, He is the God who gives us that which we really need. An offer of His eternal joy. Romans 14, 17 says, The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. His presence is fullness of joy. At His right hand are pleasures forevermore. There's no qualification then that says, but that's not for now. That's, that's for later. That's for select group of people. No, there is an offer to incredible joy. We are created to know his joy, to be invited into this story of his joy. We've been given the gift of a Savior that we too would receive and we would return hearts full of joy, declaring the praises of our King. The gift has been given. Receive it and rejoice in it this Christmas. Choose the right gift this Christmas and receive the true riches that it offers you. Why don't we stand as we conclude? The worship team is going to come back and just finish with a carol. Let me pray for us as they get themselves ready. Lord, thank you for Christmas. Thank you most of all that this is a moment to celebrate your gift. And I pray that there would be a moment even now of simply receiving and rejoicing in that which you offer us. The wide open spaces of just feeling the wind in our hair, the roar of your goodness and grace all around us. Just seeing and savoring the incredible goodness of our God. May we choose the right gift this Christmas and receive all of the riches that you offer to us. I pray that in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.